I don't know about you guys, but I think you have the same thing as I have. Um, I, I, I have a heavy burden for um, for those out there, the people that um, that are, you know, be, thinking that you're saved doesn't make you saved. Thinking that you have eternal life doesn't make you have eternal life. Uh, God has requirements for that, for to have eternal life, and uh, His requirements are in His Word, as we read His Word, and um, and seek his, seek his truth. We live in a time, the Bible says that is uh, dangerous or perilous times. Uh, men are lovers of themselves. Um, there's a form of, of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Uh, the scripture says that they, uh, they have itching ears, heaping to themselves teachers, telling them that they, what they want to hear. And the truth is very, very scarce. We talked this morning in, in the book of 2 Thessalonians, we went through chapter 1 in 2 Thessalonians. If you were there, I'm sure uh, you, had, you enjoyed it. But he talks about there, uh, the Thessalonians were going through a lot of um, real persecution and tribulation. And Paul was, was, was admonishing them and encouraging them in their, because their faith had grown so exceedingly that he said they didn't even need to, they, Paul and them didn't even need to go around them because they, had, they had spread the gospel so much they were taking care of things in that realm. But yet, yet, they, yet they were undergoing such hard persecution and tribulation uh, that, that it was just tremendous. And they, but they, were, they, they had patience through it and, and endurance walking through that. They weren't complaining. They weren't murmuring. And when we talk about tribulation uh, here uh, compared to what they were going through, it's not anything what we go through compared to what they were going through. They were going through some real hardship. I remember when Paul said in Acts chapter 14, uh, they had just stoned Paul, and they thought, they, they thought he was dead. And he was laying there, and, and all the rest of the apostles made a ring around him and started praying, and he came back too. He came back alive. I believe the Lord had resurrected him. And right after that, they had just come from Iconium and Lystra and received terrible tribulation. They, like I said, they had stoned, stoned Paul, and they had... Uh, really, really put him through a lot and rejected. But but there was a few people that received the Lord there that, that received the word that they had to say. And and Paul gets up after he just got stoned to death, basically to death, and rose up. He said, "Let's go. I want to go back to confirm the souls in Iconium and Lystra." He said, "Let's go back and, and talk to them." They weren't scared to lose their lives for the for their faith. The scripture says, uh, "Fear him not, who is able to kill the body." But fear him who after he has killed the body has power to cast your soul in hell. And they were just that. They had such tremendous peace. You know about a peace that passes all understanding. And I, I, t I tell this story somewhat about uh, Peter. There's repeating to some that haven't heard it. But uh, I, was, I was reading in Acts chapter 12 the other day. And I was reading about, about Peter. And uh, King Herod, uh, when he took James, the uh, the uh, uh, the brother of John, and, and took him and put thrust the sword through him and killed him in front of all the people. And the Jews like were, were rejoicing because he killed the Christian. And uh, they liked it. And Herod saw that they liked it. And he, he was so, so moved by it that he decided he was going to get Peter. And he took Peter and arrested him and, and put him in, in jail and put 16 soldiers over him and, and told them that they had to watch, watch him and make sure he didn't, he didn't go anywhere. And, and Peter was there in prison, and uh, the, he was waiting, uh, Herod was waiting until the night uh, after Easter to, to kill him, for all the Jews to see. And uh, so Peter obviously knew he was going to get killed that next day, and he's between soldiers. He's got 
He's got handcuffs on with, with, with chains. He's got shackles on his feet with chains. And, and some of you have been in prison. You know how it can be. But there's no air conditioning in this prison. Uh, they only eat bread and water where, where Peter was. And he's, he's standing there between all these 16 soldiers and everybody's asleep. And, and, Paul, and Peter is sleeping like a baby. He knows he's going to get killed. From what he understands, he's going to get killed the next day. It, did, it didn't move him. You know, and, and you could be saying, man, that's got to be uncomfortable with all these chains on you and you got all these uh, people sweating around you and, and right on top of you and, you, and you, I guess he was sitting down with the concrete or whatever, and he's, and he's sleeping. He's sleeping, Kevin, and he knows he's going to die. And I said, he, just, he just had a peace. That's the kind of peace the Lord gives. A peace that passes all of a sudden you can't understand. Of course, the angel came in and the light shone and, and Peter was sleeping so hard, sleeping like a baby. The angel had to take him and, and like hit him, nudge him to get him up. And even then, Peter didn't think he was awake. He thought he was seeing a dream, having a dream or a vision. And he, uh, the, the angel says to him, man, put your clothes on, man. Everything fell. So put your clothes on and follow me. So he follows Peter. I mean, if he follows the angel and he's going out of the prison, he gets to the gate, it's locked up. All of a sudden, it just opens up and he goes on out. And, and he's like, well, I guess this isn't a dream, you know? And he realizes that, that, it, that the Lord had just delivered him. But he was like, he, didn't, he was content in whatever situation he was in. That's how the Lord wants us to be. We haven't gone through anything, but to be where, like, come on, man, you, you don't have any problems compared to this guy. He didn't have anything financial. Remember, he's the same one that said to the guy that was lame at the, at the synagogue when he was walking up, and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So he didn't have, he didn't have any money. He didn't have any real home. You know, he's sleeping in a prison, getting ready to die, but he had the peace of God. You've got to have the peace of God in your heart. All this stuff doesn't matter. He said, you are pilgrims and strangers in this world. This is not your home. Don't get that focus. It's like you if you were going on a vacation and you're passing through a city for a night. You wouldn't sit there, well, let's go look at some property. Let's see where we're going to settle down. No, you don't settle down. You're just passing through. You're not of the kingdom of this world. You of the kingdom of the Lord. He says, seek, he says, seeing that you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above. Don't be affected by what happens here on this world. Be content with whatever. Why? Because you know that everything's going to work together for the good because you love the Lord and, and you're walking and you're called according to his, his purpose. You're walking in his commandments. You can ask whatever you will. You receive it because the Lord hears you because you're keeping the commandments of the Lord and the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But a good soldier doesn't get himself entangled in this world. He's not wrapped up in all this because he knows he's just passing through. We're just passing through. We know from what's going on in this world that it's getting short, guys. We'll be going home soon. Well, we'll be going through some hard, hardship soon. Hang on. Walk with the Lord with all that you are. We're in John, 1 John chapter 5. Let's go there. I, I love the book of 1 John. Uh, we've been through chap four chapters of it. It's just, it's just been great. Uh, the book of 1 John, uh, John is telling us, he's the same one that wrote uh, the book of John, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Same one that wrote uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And a, a lot of his books, as you read them, they're very similar to what they're actually saying. 
But in the book of 1 John, he says, I've written these things to you here in the book of 1 John so that you can know that you have eternal life. And as we've examined what he was, what he's saying here in the book of 1 John, it's a powerful book in it, with strict instructions and understanding of what it takes to have eternal life. We saw a lot of scriptures here that talked about like uh, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. He says, the one who says that I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar. The truth's not in him. We saw in 1 John chapter 1, it says he that says he walks in the light and walks in darkness, he's a liar and the truth's not in him. We saw in chapter 2, to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When what is, it, what is the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We saw in chapter 3, that, that when he comes, we will be like him, he says. And he that knows these things purifies himself, even as he is pure. It says those that are in Christ Jesus, that they, they walk in, in, that, in righteousness. That First uh, John chapter 3 uh, he talked about it, we're well, all familiar with the verse 7. It says that uh, he be not deceived. He that doeth righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. And he that uh, sins is of the devil. We don't try to powder coat anything or add anything to it. You just take the scriptures for what they say. And he goes on. He says, by this we know that the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And by this we know who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. The one who walks in righteousness is the children of God. The one who walks in darkness is the child of the devil. Just plain and simple. Doesn't make any addendums there and say, well, if you went forward and accepted the Lord, if you were saved 30 years ago, it is, then this doesn't apply to you. It applies to you all the time. It's Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life to Christ Jesus that never goes away. You don't have one person that says he's a sinner committing adultery. Another person that says he's a Christian committing adultery. They both go to the same place. It doesn't matter. No free tickets. You walk in righteousness and holiness. When you walk away from that, you walk in as being of the devil. Here in chapter 5, it starts off and it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. A lot of people would like to just stop right there and say, you see there, just like in, in Romans 10, 17, 10, 10, it says that uh, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, you, and you're saved. But they don't ever read the rest of the verse. In, verse, in Romans 10, if you go to verse 11, 12, it says, For he that believeth unto righteousness. You see, that's the difference. Believing unto righteousness, he saves. But I want you to look at there. Look, It said, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I want to go down a little bit. He says he's born of God. Let's see, let's see what it means to be born of God. Verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God, see the same thing, does what? Overcomes the world. Let's break that down a little bit. What is the world again? 1 John 2.15, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So he's overcoming the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is that? That's sin, Right? If he's doing any of that, if he's lusting with his eyes, if he's lusting with his flesh, or if he's got pride, which is one of the things in Proverbs 6 that he said the Lord hates, then he is not born of God. For, for whoever is born of God overcomes sin. Because I could put sin in the place of the world. Because that he defined what's, what the world was in 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Right? Okay? Now... It says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Go down a little bit further. Look at verse 5. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes Jesus is the Son of God. 
If you believe you Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Christ, guess what? You're going to be overcoming the world. If you're not overcoming the world, you really don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. Wow. So when people tell me, oh, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, that, that means I'm born again. That means I'm, I'm going to heaven. No, it doesn't. What proves that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God is that you overcoming sin. Again, the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay, somebody else says, well, I'm saved by faith alone. I believe in the finished work of Christ. We hear that. So I'm saved by, by faith. Okay, let's go, let's, go to verse, uh, let's go to verse 4, verse above that. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So if a man says he has faith and he's not overcoming the world, does he have faith? No. Because here it's saying if you have faith, you're overcoming the world. You're overcoming sin. You see how clear that is? You know, but if you just, if, if a person, what they'll do is they'll cherry pick part of the scripture and not read all of it. And we can even go back and, and look at these scriptures. Like it says, he that believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And we could go back to, to 1 John chapter 3 and find that also. If we went to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9, it defines again what born of God is. It says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Why? He's living in that present tense. Can he commit sin later on? Can he do it later? Absolutely, he can turn from God. We're not puppets, and we always have a choice. Now, let's talk about born of God again. Look at verse 18 of chapter 5. It says, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. There's not even a commit or anything in there where they can say practice. Some of the versions, versions they try to use practice with phileo, which doesn't even, it means to do it, to execute anyway. But it says, whoever's born of God does not sin. What part of that you don't understand? Because <laughs> why, why, what happens? He says, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And I want to talk about that when we get to this verse. And that wicked one touches him not. Let's go back to verse 1. First one of chapter five, you know, let's work our way down. So whoever's believing that Jesus is, 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 Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. Okay, now we're going to find out if we really love the ones that are begotten of God. Uh, remember, that was the commandment that Jesus gave, the second commandment, right? He says, to love your neighbor as yourself. So the way you, he says, the way you really know that you're born of God is if you're really loving your neighbor. If you're really loving the one that's begotten of God, look at verse 2. It answers it. By this we know that we love the children of God. Okay, it's going to give us the answer to that. It's going to tell us, this is how we're going to know if we love the children of God, Kevin. Look at this. Amen. When we love God and keep his commandments. Amen. If I'm saying I love my brother and I love somebody else that's begotten of God, then, and I'm not keeping his commandments, uh, which means obey, then I'm not really loving my brother, am I? Not according to what this scripture says. And then if we go back and we do this often, this is the same John that wrote this. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 15. He says, if you love me, 
obey my commandments, keep my commandments. All right, let's go a little further. I'm going to just, because it talks about the spirit there. He, he, he has been with you, but now he shall be in you. And then he goes a little further. I will not live, leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Um, verse 19, yet you see me, and then you, you'll see me again, and I will live, and you shall live. Uh, at that day, I am the Father with you and me, and I am you. Now, let's go to verse 21. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So that says a lot there. He says, he that hath my commandments, and what? Doesn't just have them, but he, has, he keeps them. He obeys them. He it is that loves me. So the way you know you love God is you're keeping his commandments. Now, verse 23, so Jesus answered, said to him, if a man love me, he says it again, he will obey my, my words, my commandments. He will keep it. And my father will love him. And we will come unto him and will live in him. Make our abode in him. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Ye are the temple of God. Now, you're not the temple of God if you don't love the Lord. The Lord's not living inside of you. You can't say, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If you're living for yourself and you're trying to live for God, it doesn't work. You can't serve two masters. You have to come out from that darkness Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You can't, God's not interested, and I say this often, he's not interested in fixing up your life and making it better. Don't, you got to get this. As long as you hold on to your life, as long as you hold on to doing what you want to do, you cannot have the Lord. It is a requirement that you lose your life in order to have life. It takes a denial of self. If you're not denying yourself, if you haven't denied yourself, if you haven't crucified the flesh with the affections of lust, like it says in Galatians 5, 24, then you haven't come to that place. When I was, um, let's read the next verse and I'll tell you this. Verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. I was a, a pastor of a church, and uh, the head and the, uh, head pastor and I sat down uh, together and had a talk. And during that talk, uh, I was sharing with him that sin was not going to make it into heaven, and he disagreed. And he said that uh, he said, "Listen, this is the way it is." He says, "When you get saved." You're saved by grace in your sin. So you're saved in your sin with your sin. He says, therefore, when you die, if, or if you die, or when you die, you die in your sin. You never lose being saved because you were saved in your sin. So if you, and, and, and in that theory, it would sound right because if, you, if you're saved in your sin, then you die and you go into heaven in your sin. But here's the problem. You don't get saved in your sin. I don't know one single church that preaches anything different than that. They all, all the churches preach that I know of. I mean, you point them out and tell me if there's some, but they may, maybe there's a one-tenth of a of a hundred percent that do. But all the ones I know of say, listen, what you need to do to obtain salvation 
is, correct me if I'm wrong, if you'll come forward, if you'll ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins, and you accept the Lord as your personal Savior, then you're saved. That is not salvation. All these people that are listening to this are being deceived. Without repentance, there's no salvation. Unless you lose your life, unless you stop sinning and lose your life, you cannot have life. So he would be right in what he was saying if that was true. And, but that's what all of them preach. And it makes sense. Hey, if you're saved and you sin, then you can go to heaven and you sin. Because all you're doing is doing the same thing you got when you got saved. But you see, that's the problem. That's not true. Not according to the word. Go ahead, Wesley. I was just, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. In uh, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. That's what you're saying. I like uh, verse 14. Also, I've seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem that committed adultery and walked in lies. They also strengthened the camp of the evildoers so that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me and her inhabitants like Gomorrah. But that's the thing. These are the people that you're saying that you were in relationship with, but none of them, have, none of them uh, are turning from sin. They're strengthening the hands of the evildoers so that no one turns back. But that's why when you go to verse 21... What Jeremiah is saying, God says, I have not sent these prophets, mm -hmm. yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have turned them from the evil of their way and from the evil of their doings. So if, if they were standing in God's counsel, if they were actually hearing from God and studying the Bible instead of studying theology, they would have turned the people from their evil ways, from the evil of their doings, so that they would live, so that they truly would have salvation. But they're more concerned about the offering plate in the building than people's souls. You, you know, Wes, uh, I have to do this while you're there in Jeremiah 23. I want you to look at verse uh, 29. Uh, a couple of verses while we're in Jeremiah, and he brought us there. I want to, I want to show a couple of things to go along with what he's saying. He said in verse 29, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? You know, God's word just breaks these old theologies of, of you can sin and, and not die. He breaks it in pieces because his word is a rock. The Bible says to fall on the rock and be broken or else the rock will fall on you and grind you to pieces because it's coming. The, the thing is, is people need to take heed and fall on the rocks and say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. Amen. I made a mess of my life. I've got sin in my life. I need help. I'm quit. I'm going to quit this. That's enough. Before it's too late and the rock falls on them. So he said, therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, that steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. What are they doing today? He's stealing the words of God and taking them and changing them around. He, they, they're stealing them and changing them to try to make people believe something different. That's the ploy of the enemy. 
The enemy did it with Eve in the garden when he twisted the word that God had told them not to eat of the fruit of that tree. And the enemy came and said, you will not die if you eat of the fruit of that tree. He twisted it and he convinced her to eat. And it's the same thing is happening all over right now. Look at the twist. Look at Jeremiah chapter 7 while you're here. Jeremiah chapter 7, <clears throat> verse 8. He says, Behold, you trust in lying words. You know what's lying words? You can come forward at an altar. You could accept Jesus as your Savior, ask Him to forgive you, and you're saved. That's lying words. Without repentance, there's no salvation. So they lie to you. It's, a, it's the most deadly lie anyone could ever tell you in your whole life. That is the most deadly lie. Why? Because it's having to do with eternity. It's a horrible lie. The worst lie you could receive. He said, will you steal? Will you murder? Will you look at porn and look at, commit adultery? Swear falsely? Lie? Do all these things, walk after other guys whom you know not, and then, you, then you're going to come and you're going to stand before me in my house, which is called by my name, and say, we, it's okay for us to do all that. We're delivered by the blood of Jesus. He says, we're delivered to do all these abominations. We're still going to heaven. It's okay. What are they telling you today? This was 4,000 years ago. They said, still saying the same thing today because people still believe it and they still live wrapped up in that mess. And we... And we're trying, a small group of us like this are trying to get this message out. And they want to believe, have itching ears, heaping to themselves teachers to tell them what they want to hear. That they don't have to lose their life and still make it to heaven. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, yeah in verse 4 uh, of chapter 7, to go along with what you're saying, look what it says. What are these lying words? Do not trust in these lying words saying... The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Mm. They're saying, we're the temple of the Lord, so they're saying, translated into the New Testament, they're saying, hey, these people are Christians. They're the temple of the Lord, but they're still stuck in their sin. They're still lying. They're still murdering. They're still living for themselves, and they're saying, the temple of the Lord is these. When in reality, it's not the temple of the Lord, and there is no safe haven between these acts. It's not a revolving door. You can't go in and out. And what happened in Jeremiah's day? The Babylonians came in and ransacked the temple and burnt it down. And the false prophets, which even saying the same message over and over again, they say peace and safety. That's what they're chanting throughout the entire Old Testament, telling everybody that it's okay and live in you, right? So if he's living in you, who, what people is he living in? Those that are keeping his commandments. So if, if you are the temple, the only way you can be the temple of God is if you've done that. You're not, the, the Lord's not going to live in a, in a body or temple that's dirty. He's not going to dwell with darkness. You can't have darkness and light. It won't mix with it. He says either drink of the cup of the Lord or drink of the cup of the devil. You're not going to drink a cup of both of them. So he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I just wanted to show that because of the scripture he brought out here. He says here in verse 16, he says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? 
and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So you're the temple of God. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple, uh, actually if any man destroy, that word defile means destroy the temple of God, commit suicide. He says, and shall destroy, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So if the temple is, supposed, is, is holy. It's not defiled. And I just want to clear that up because when he was talking about being temple. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 5. Any questions or any comments so far? So I was just going to say, uh, a lot of people that I incur and talk to in this world are like, man, God's really blessing. I can really feel God and God's talking. But they're walking in darkness. So this, 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 and I know that because of the fruits of their life. Um, so what, what this is saying is if anyone defiles a temple and has sin in their life, well, number one, God's going to destroy them. For the temple of God is holy. So God's not living, you're, you don't have the Holy Spirit, and God's not in you if you're walking in darkness. It's basically what this is saying, but I hear that a lot. I hear, man, God's just really been blessing my life. But it does say that God, what is it, blesses the just and the unjust? Is that, is that the scripture? Yeah, he causes the rain on the just and, and the unjust alike. Um, so, yes, uh, there, there's the Lord is very merciful to everyone and giving them time to change. Look at Acts chapter 5, Ben, and verse 32, all of it, everybody, if you would. Acts chapter 5, verse 32, concerning that. Uh, speaking of the Holy Spirit, chapter 5 of Acts, verse 32. He's talking to, uh, here, uh, his witnesses, and he says, And you are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that obey him. You don't have the Holy Spirit if you're not obeying God. But here's the thing. So they tell me this, man, God's just really been blessing me. And in my mind, I mean, how do you tell them? No, that's not. No, God ain't blessing you, brother. You're walking in darkness. Um, but then I use that scripture. He reigned on the just and the unjust. And then they don't ever want to talk to me again. But I'm saying, but that's, that's what you got. Go ahead, Wes. You got something on that? Yeah, um, Don and I have talked about this. There's different people that in Jesus' time where Jesus came on the scene and he healed them, or you know, they were crippled and he told them, roll up your mat, walk, or they were blind and they received their sight. And then even like one of them, he said, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. So to have an encounter with Jesus or to have an encounter with God, you don't necessarily have to have come to a full repentance. So somebody can have an encounter, but for like what we're talking about in John chapter 15, about him coming and making his home, not just a visitation, a habitation, that doesn't happen like with John's reading, like with Don's reading here in Acts. He gives his spirit to those who obey him. Meaning that's when the Holy Spirit comes in, and that only happens after somebody truly fully repents. You have to become new wine skin to receive the new wine. That's good. Yes. If the old wine skin, you're going to burst. You're not. It, it's not going to last because you're going to grieve, quench, reject the Holy Spirit, and He's not going to stick. Uh, you can't measure your spirituality or a person's spirituality 
by what they possess. You know, it, the, the, the man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he has. Uh, what's, uh, what's pleasing to man is an abomination to the Lord. You know, sometimes the Lord will give them over to what they want. And there's a sowing and a reaping. You know, if you sow, whatever you sow, you reap. If you sow to the flesh, you reap things of the flesh, and you reap damnation. All good things are from above. But if you think about it like that, and I've seen people do that, which is really wrong, then you've got people like Lazarus with the rich man who had nothing. You've got Peter that said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. We don't measure our walk of what we have because the disciples in Jesus would have been, it would have been pretty pathetic because they had nothing. The world does, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I said what's, what's, what, how do you say, what's, uh, what's highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God, is what the scripture said. And that's what's highly esteemed, how much money you got in your bank account. Because when Jesus was walking the earth, he was healing people, and he would use the term, I'm gonna, I'm making you, I will make you whole. And these people, I guess he knew them, but he didn't see fruits of repentance. He did what he wanted to do. Well, because of your, your faith, you're, you're a hope. Remember, in Jesus' walk is different, somewhat different to us because Jesus knew the thoughts. You, you see right. several times when Jesus was, some, was with, with people, he knew what they were thinking. We don't know what other people are thinking. You know, so, so, and he knows what's going on inside. We don't, we don't have that revelation. So we never know uh, whether they're sincere or not, but Jesus didn't know. You know, with the sincerity, really you know, a lot of them walked away. I mean, all of his disciples walked away from it. You know, so uh, that that terminated. First Corinthians fifteen thirty four says, "Awake to righteousness and sin not, for not everyone has this knowledge." Yeah, that's right. Get to your shame. Amen. God is opening up His revelation. This is His word. And today is the day. He says, "I require the blood on your hands. Tell them it." Amen. That's right, Kevin. That's yeah, good. Some don't have that knowledge. Yeah, exactly. some don't have that. That's right, and that's our job. We got to get. We want to get that, that out. And, that, and just like you were talking about earlier about the people that are saying, "Hey, come up to the altar, um, you kneel down, accept Jesus, and you are good to go." Those people, a lot of those people, are deceived. They don't know anything different because they've always been taught. Well, well, what happens with that being is the worst. One of the worst positions you can be in is think you have it and you don't. Absolutely. Those, those are, uh, and, and that's how the scribes and Pharisees were. Absolutely. They thought they were pleasing to God, and Jesus couldn't reach them. Right. You know, but the, the ones that he reached were people that they knew they blew it. They knew they were a mess, and Jesus was able to minister to them. But somebody who thinks that they're saved, they don't look to be saved, right? Because they think they already have it. Because why? Because that preacher told them you're okay like you are, patted them on the back and sent them away. But that, that's, that doesn't make it that way. So, all right, let's, let's go back to 1 John 5 again. I was going to say this because, so this morning I'm reading in the book of Luke, and I, and I stumbled upon um, the son that goes out and lives with the pigs, the prodigal son. Prodigal son. And it stu really stuck out to me that he went through all that stuff, and he just humbled himself. And he says, listen, I really messed up, and, and he broke and his dad had his arms wide open and was like, no, no, you're all, come on, come on. And that's what people don't, you know, they don't want to humble themselves. And so that I see in my life, they don't want to humble themselves because they think they've got it all figured out. And, and that is a requirement that Jesus 
you've got to humble yourself. Well, uh, the prodigal son's a good story. It's in Luke 15. And, and yeah, he, he, he left, went his own way, left the father. Um, he uh, lived riotous living, chased the whores, whatever, like uh, many have done. Uh, then he came to his senses, and he changed his mind. I don't want to live like this anymore. That's repentance. He said, I'm going back. And he said, I'll just be a hired servant. That's like us, where he says in John 17, 10, uh, after you've done all that he's commanded us, say that we are unworthy servants, we've only done that which is our duty to do. He realized that I'm going to go back, and I'm just, I'm not worthy to be his son. That's too high a position. I blew it. Maybe I could be one of his servants. His servants eat better than I do with these pigs. And, um, but you don't see, and you see a repentance there. You don't see the father going trying to chase after him. No, he came back, then the father met him. He drew near to the father, the father drew near to him. He came around and ran and, and hugged him. But you don't see the prodigal son going back to the pig pen again. You see, you see a lot of people think, well, you know, I've been in the pig pen and I come, and then I go back to the pig pen and I come, and I go back to the pig pen and I come. No, no, you don't, there's a, there's a, a, a real repentance of leaving your old life. Where you become a new creation. You're not, you're not repenting and believing, repenting and believing. No, you repent once and for all and leave that old life. Like uh, Wes was saying, you, you uh, can't put that new wine in the old wineskin. You put new wine in the new wineskin where you're a new creation. Uh, but a lot of people go back and forth. I, I was thinking the other day, and I want to do a video on it, uh, where um, a lot of people will say, well, I've been saved for... 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And uh, if I said that, I would be ashamed of myself. Because I did have a time 40-something years ago where I had an encounter with Christ, and I did believe to stop sinning, and I believe I stopped sinning for a while there, but then I went back, and I blew it. So I don't want to tell anybody, oh, I've been saved for you. No, I wasn't saved for you. Did I have an experience with God? Did I have a touch with God? Did I have a beginning with God? Absolutely. But you know what? I, I would have to say, I said, man, God touched my life and changed me, and I repented, and, but then I went back to the pig pen. And I'm ashamed of myself because I went back to the pig pen. I, I went, and I went back to the mire. I went back to the vomit. And to, and to stand up and say that, I'd rather not even say anything and just say, look, you know what? I'm walking in the Lord now. I'm, I've been cleansed. I'm walking in Christ now. And I've stopped sinning. And I'm ready to meet the Lord. You know, But I don't want to go back and say of what I've been ashamed of what I've done. Because I was ashamed. Instead of boasting, somebody boasting, because every one of them that I've ever heard do that, I say, I say well, did you, did you have a time where you went back? Yeah, oh yeah, I went back and ran did this. Why are you saying that you've been saved for 30 years then? Did you have anything coming out? Oh yeah, I was, had all these bad words coming out of my mouth. I did all this stuff. Then why are you saying that? You wasn't saved, man. You, wasn't, you, wasn't, you didn't continue. He said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciple. You went back. You ought to be saying, man, I'm so ashamed of what I did because I turned my back on Jesus Christ during that 30 years. I was saying that you don't you don't see in the, in the scriptures where Paul is like, yeah, you know, uh, me, Paul, I'm writing. I've been saved for, for 20 years. That's right. Yeah, you don't see him you saying don't say that. that. You know, That's right. I'm writing to you with a void of a conscience, void of offense, and so yeah. forth. But to get to your last point. It's like a boasting thing, says where they're boasting about it. Right. How can you boast about it? You fell away, man. Yeah. You went your own way. 
instead of continuing with the Lord, you say you had that experience, instead of continuing with the Lord where you did repent and keep your repentance, you went back and forth. You know, you ought to be ashamed. You're not worthy for the kingdom of God. Instead of boasting about it, you ought to be, talk, be telling people how ashamed you are of it. And so instead of people saying that back when I was saved, they should say back when I had an encounter. Yeah. Back when I had an experience. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Hello, no, go John. Um, something else about the prodigal son is that he didn't come back to his father until he squandered everything he had. And he had it good and miserable. And it's a good point. Yeah, he had to want it bad, huh, John? He wanted it bad. Yeah, he was in really bad shape. And you you gotta you gotta have that kind of desire, you know? You gotta have that kind of desire. Amen. Ben? So I was just gonna say me and Don and uh Mr. Larry and Terry were talking about before we started uh, church tonight, that you know, walking in the dark that we walked in, I can be grateful every single day and really have a, a major gratitude that I'm not what I was. And so I was saying it's here. A person that you say has an encounter walks away, was it a true encounter? I, I believe that's so, Ben, because just like the parable of the sower, where it talks about some people receive the seed, you know, um, you know, uh, but, but because of the cares of the world, they may endure for a while, but then they fall away. So we see that, uh, yes, there is, they, they could have had a real experience, which many of us did, but then we... Um, you know, you not to blame on anybody else because we started believing what somebody else told us, believing that lie that, hey, you know what, you you got this sin nature, you got your, you can always mess, everybody messes up, and you before you you knew it, you, you bought into it, and you were doing, you were back, uh, saying you were a Christian, but yet you were stumbling, you were looking at pornography, or you were looking, or you were doing, you know, committing adultery, or you were doing drugs, or whatever it might have been. Uh, so probably nobody in this room is is worthy uh, of the kingdom of God. But he had, to, but because of his mercy, remember the Lord said in, in um, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen, He says, um, "He who covers his sin shall not be shown mercy, but he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall be shown mercy." Jill. Some people never had to start. They re they received the word came, but they they kept they held on to their own life. They never came to the place where they had repentance. That's what I see a lot of today, is in the day that we live. I know when I had an encounter with the Lord uh, forty something years ago, fifty years ago, I didn't. The environment was somewhat different a lot, you know, back in years ago, things were not accepted like they are today, and I looked at First John, and I saw what we're reading today, I read back then, and I saw, hey man, we're not supposed to sin, uh, well, I didn't know a whole lot, but I, I was reading that, and it was pretty simple to understand, but before I knew it, they had me on the phone with their pastor trying to talk me out of that, saying, no, you're wrong, if I'd have just held on, 
to what I knew, you know, but, but we're so, we were so easily moved by other men because we, you want to, like a doctor or, or a dentist or somebody, if they tell you, you know, you got a heart, you got a bad heart, you kind of believe them, and that's what they think like preachers. You know, they think, well, he's a preacher. He's got to know. He must know, but they don't know. That's the problem, and I went astray because I followed that pattern instead of walking in what the Lord said. It's kind of like, you know, why would, you quit? Why would we quit listening to the Lord and start listening to man that's telling us something that's different in the Word? Why not stick with the Word of God? And that's what we're talking about, what we're doing now. Just sticking to what God said. He's the teacher. The, the Holy Spirit's the teacher. The Word of God is our authority in our life. It's not what anybody else tells us. And thank God you've come to that. You know, you're not moved by what you were moved by before. The scripture says that in Ephesians chapter 4, that what is it that he ascended, but that he also descended into the earth and he gave gifts to men, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers. And he says, for the perfecting of the ministry to come to the fullness of the statue of Jesus Christ. And he said that you no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I don't know about you, but I got tossed to and fro sure. by a bunch of winds of doctrine. Because I wasn't just settled in the word. I didn't, I, I didn't just look at the simplicity. So it was easy for somebody and, to twist things around. And I was like, next thing I knew, I was going with them. And then I was going with them. You know, and then I'm kind of like, okay. That's right. You trusted in me. And cursed is the man who trusted me. Rather than just saying, God, I'm just going by what your word says. The simplicity of the truth. That's all we do now. We're just going by the simplicity of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were in first, Second Thessalonians chapter one this morning, and we were talking. I was talking about the Thessalonians earlier, how they were going through such tribulation, such persecution, and the Lord says that He says to be patient to them. He says, for the Lord is very just, and He will take vengeance on those that persecute us and and do these things to us. And He said He's coming back in fiery vengeance, fiery flames, in vengeance to bring judgment on all those that know not the God and that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's so plain to see. You know, what's going to keep you from getting in the flame? There's only one thing that's going to keep you from getting in the flame. What is it? You better be obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Those things you read, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus said not to do. Biblical instruction before yeah, but, but but the gospel is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and and it's it's those things that Jesus told, like the rich young ruler. He told the rich young ruler, he asked him, "What do I do to have eternal life?" And he answered it, and he said, "Keep the commandments." You know what the commandments are? And it begins to name them: adultery, murder. You don't do not kill any names of. Nobody would tell you that today. They, you ask somebody that today, that's a preacher, and you say, "What do I need to do?" To have eternal life. Same question to ask Jesus. He would give you a completely different answer today. And he would tell you, you need you to. Believe. Yeah, you got to. You know, some would say all you need to do is believe. believe uh, others would say all you need to do is accept the Lord as your Savior. Come on, accept the Lord. You, you don't need to, The Lord needs to accept you. We need to be acceptable to the Lord. You know, he said, come to me and be a sacrifice, a holy, like Romans 12, you talk about Don. A, a sacrifice acceptable to the Lord, well pleasing to the Lord. It's not the it's not the opposite way. Let's go back to First John chapter five. Yes, Amen. 
So we, we read verse, verse 2, we did verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. How many of you believe the commandments of God are not burdensome or grievous? You know, a lot of people believe that they are. I know there was a time in my life they were burdensome. I didn't want to do the commandments of God, Sister Linda. I, I thought they was hard, man. I wanted to go and, and, and do my thing and do what I wanted to do. It was hard. And I struggled with it, and I, did, I, I didn't do the commandments of God. too hard. Because you were on the other side. Exactly. Amen. That's it, Don. On this side, it looks like That's the it. On one side of the cross, it looks like horrible. On the other side of the cross, it's easy. That's why Jesus said, he said, come to me all you who are burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, when you're holding on to your own life, the commandments are burdensome, they're grievous. But when you lost your life in Christ, you like David said, I love the commandments of God. I meditate upon them day and night. I love God's law. Ben? say it really becomes an issue of have you really crucified the flesh or not because if you haven't then they're, those, they're, the commandments going to be very burdensome when you're still trying to please and fulfill when you're trying to fix your own life flesh. up and live in the realm of self sure. and you still have self alive yes. you're going to you're going to you're going to hate the commandments well, of you're god you're going to keep them yeah. so you really, you're not you're sister Linda? we went to church for about a year and a half or two years where they believed Saturday for Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was so burdensome from Friday night to sunset to Saturday night sunset. Don't do any, any they would not do nothing. No comment. Mm -hmm. I just, I just couldn't accept that. Yeah, yeah. Because and now we, now we have the Sabbath every day. We're resting in the Lord all the time. <laughs> and they don't get it. If they can get that, they say, the real Sabbath is that you don't do anything of yourself. God is doing everything through you, working with God in the Lord and, and everything. Cease from your own work. Thank God. Well, I'm glad you know, we. I'm glad we got rid of all that old stuff and we can walk in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So his commandments are not burdensome. He says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. He says, come to me and enter into my rest. For that wonderful rest. Hallelujah of the Lord. For what's, verse 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And we talked about that. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Already? This is he that came by water in his blood. So, so we're going we're gonna to stop there. Anybody have any comments? So we kind of covered verse 1 through verse 5 uh, of what overcoming the world means. Uh, matter of fact, one other scripture I want to give you with this about overcoming. First of all, ben, you were reading the book of Revelation in the first, and they had seven churches there in the book of Revelation. And at the end of every one of them, when Jesus was talking, speaking to those churches, he said at the end of every one, he said, to him that overcomes, will I do such and such? Will I give? Will I, will I write his name on stone? Will I, will I you know, do all these things? It was always at the end he told them that, to, that uh, he had overcome. And then he goes back in Revelation chapter 21. And in verse 7. 
I like it just as like at the close of, of, of the er earthly life, at the, end of, at the end of the ages, he said, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son or daughter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it right there. What a great promise. What a blessing. He that overcomes. But, don't you love those buts? <laughs> Amen. Amen. But the fearful, the unbelieving, we just saw what unbeliever is, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, some people think that there's an addendum written to that. It says, well, if you accepted the Lord, that doesn't count on you. I've heard people say that. That doesn't, that doesn't mean me. I can do those things, and I'm going to heaven because God doesn't see me. He doesn't say that. He says, if you do these things, you, you're not going to make it. And that's the warning. That's the, like, uh, alarm that we're wanting to put out is like, repent. Turn from those things before it's too late. You need to overcome. It is necessary. It's not an option. It's not an opinion. It's the word of God. And that's what we live by. Yeah, anything that's even like a lie, guile, anything, that's deceiving, yeah, anything like that. You're right, Don.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't you love the Word of God? Hallelujah. Kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, <laughs> peace, and joy.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a prayer request. Yes, sir. So I've been in excruciating pain for like two days with the sciatic nerve thing behind my leg. So if we could pray and believe God to heal Amen. this. Amen. Amen. Call upon yes, the elders and the whole deal. I don't want to tell y'all what I got. So. In James Amen. chapter 5, it says that there's any sick among you. Let him call for the elders of the church. They shall anoint them with all praying over them. Amen. And the prayer of faith shall save him and heal him. And if there be any sins, they be forgiven. For the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We know that in 1 John chapter 4 it says, If you ask anything in my name, you will receive it because you keep my commandments. Amen. So the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We want you guys to join in with us on YouTube Amen. and Skype. And if I can... Have the same type of prayer. I got a neck ache like crazy. Group of Christians did too. We got today. Amen. All right, guys. We're going to expect a miracle yes. from God. Yes. According yes. to His Word. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Where's it? Where, where, where's it at, you? <laughs> that's a pain. That's a novocaine. It's all through here. My glutes and my back. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. That's not. easy for the Lord. To I know. That's, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Amen. Jesus. Father, in obedience to your word, God, we yes. lay hands on Ben, God. Yes, We're anointing him with oil, Father. And Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we know we live in the last days. We know that signs and follows signs will follow those who believe and wonders, God. Father, you say with obedience to your word, lay his hand. I feel your anointing coming through him, God. Father, heal it, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Heal it, Father. Receive that healing in Jesus' name. Tingling, come you feel like tingling, God, in your body. The Lord, hand. Hallelujah. Father, you said forget not to, that you forgive all our iniquities and you heal all of our diseases. That by your stripes we heal God. You bore our pains, you carried our sorrows, and by your stripes we be healed. Satan, loosen. Nothing to do with this. Be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We receive it with thanksgiving, Father. We thank you, Lord God. We give Lord thanks and praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Christ's name. 
I curse that seal from me. I curse that disease from Satan in Jesus' name. You loose your hands from him. Hallelujah. If there be any sin to be forgiven, don't ever sin again. Never again. Walking in him. And thank you for his healing. Thank you for his power and his anointing upon him. You ask, you receive. That's what the Lord said. Be healed in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, guys, we, we're walking in the will of God. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of difference when you pray for people. There's a, there is a gift of healing, and we believe that in the Lord. And we expect signs and wonders to follow us who really believe. That's what the Amen. Bible says. We have that expectancy. Hallelujah. At this time, we're going to take communion together. Praise the Lord. If you're at home or you're on YouTube or Skype, we'd love to have you join in with us, get a little bread and a little grape juice or something or whatever, and join in with us. Um, in remembrance of what the Lord has done for us, we come together in that remembrance as uh, we're going to break bread afterward and eat together also. I think a lot of them have already eaten some things, but we got more there. And uh, But Jesus was standing there with his disciples before his Passover, and before going to that garden where he wept and cried out to the Father. He lifted up the bread as they were there at the Last Supper before that, that time. And he said, this is my body. He said, and he broke his bread, this bread. He said, take it and eat it, all of you, in the name of Jesus. Amen. After that, he had taken the cup. He said, this is the cup of the New Testament. The blood that he had shed for the remission and forgiveness of all sins. He gave his blood. He gave his life so that we might live through him. Thank you for that, Lord. Jonathan, I'm going to ask you to close in prayer tonight, my brother. Would you do that? Yes, sir. Let's pray to the Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for this time together, Lord, with our brothers. Um, some are in Louisiana, some are across the world. We just thank you for the time together, Lord, that we can come and worship you and talk about your word, Lord, and just listen to you, what you have to say to us, God. We pray that you take us throughout the week. Be with those who are sick, those that they laid hands on tonight, Father. We'll just lift them up to you, Lord. Those that are sick in the group. And those that are asking for prayer, we just lift up those. And we just ask you to go with us throughout the week. Yes, Lord. And may we be lost into the world for Jesus. Yes, Lord. You and I, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for that prayer. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Well, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. I appreciate everybody on Skype, everybody on YouTube, everybody that came tonight. God bless you. May you have a wonderful week. And we'll see you soon. I hope the services always bless you. Looking forward to seeing you real soon. God bless you. Have a good night. Turn it on so we can Y'all made it easy for me to sit.